Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. How are we all doing today? Good, because you're really quiet. You weren't quiet when you were singing, which is good. Right now, you're really quiet. So I'm hoping you're anticipating something good for the rest of the day. Amen? All right. Let me do, let me do something for you here. Just stand up for a second. Okay. And no, we're not going to become one of those denominations that's up, down, up, down, up, down. Okay, just, just, just so you'll know. Okay. But I am going to ask you to hold your hands out. Father, I pray for every person who's in the sound of my voice right now, whether in this room or they watch later on online. Father, I pray that you will speak to each heart individually with what you need them to know about what you are saying to them today. Father, I thank you for them. I thank you, Father, for their consistency to put themselves in a place where they can receive and they can also give of their time and they can give to you their cares and their concerns and set them down long enough to hear your voice as you speak to them in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 All right, so here we are, this new series. You heard me talk about this before, the name of the series. Um, Keep it simple. Stupid. Stupid. All right, yeah. Uh, but I, I got a little bit of feedback. Well, I don't know if you call it stupid or not. You know, listen. We, you, you know, one of the reasons why I gave it that name because I don't want people to get overly religious. Right. Okay, and that term "keep it simple, stupid" is something that if you've been alive for any length of time, you know what it means. Okay, it's it, it, it's it's nothing that's bad, it's just basically reminding each one of us that sometimes we simply make things in life a lot harder than they need to be. And that's what we've been in for a, for a little bit of a season and we're continuing to go into as a church as we're trying to get back to, hey, what, what about the basics? Because if, again, and most of you could probably agree with me, that it seems like sometimes we make our relationship with God and even our relationship with other people in the church just a little bit more tangled than it needs to be. And, and sometimes we, we get caught up in things that really are what we call non-essentials. In other words, they're theological issues that no matter what side you fall on, it's not gonna have any bearing as to whether or not you make it into heaven. It's, it, it might affect the quality of the relationship you're going to have with your heavenly father. For example, we've talked about this many times before, the the gifts of the spirit. Those are there for the church to to edify you and I, to build me up, to build you up. Some some churches, some theologies, uh, some denominations don't believe the gifts are for today. Well, those of us who believe that they are, we certainly think, well, you're, you're, you're kind of missing out on something. Something that we believe is important. I would never, on the other hand, ever try to communicate to somebody who believes differently that they are less than or that they're not going to go to heaven. 
Because that's not, the quali- that's, that's not the criteria for being saved. But what we do want to do is we want to keep our relationship very simple. Because the truth of the matter is while life is hard, the Lord has made the ability for us to connect with him very, very easy. Very easy. I mean, one of the things that separates us as Christians from, from other religions is the main thing, our God is alive. Every one of the, the others, you talk to them, their dude died and stayed dead. Our God lives. An empty grave is what separates us from everybody else. But why would God make it so easy for you and I to go to heaven and so hard for everybody else? I mean, all you and I have to do is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we're saved. That's what scripture tells us. Now, there's some things that we do to enhance our walk, to enhance our relationship, but it's the simple faith of believing the heart and confessing with the mouth. And of course, out of that flows a reality of our lifestyle. But, you know, if, if, but here's the thing. If, if, if you talk to anybody in Islam, there's five things that they have to do. There's what they call five pillars of things that they have to do in this life or they don't get to go to heaven. I'm not gonna go through all five of them, but I'll give you one that you can imagine is probably hard. One of those things is if you're a Muslim, you have got to, at some point, get to Mecca. You have to make at least one pilgrimage to Mecca. How many millions of people in Islam because of where they are financially, will never make it there. Where's their hope? And that, that's just one of five. If, if you're Hindu, you better do it right the first time around. Because if you don't, you get to come back and do it again. But this time you might be a fly. And we all know where flies hang around. <laughs> no thank you. Not into it. I walked through enough of it in this life. Okay? But God made it very, very easy for us. So we need, we need to learn to keep it simple, stupid. Because sometimes it's just the stupid things that keep us from actually walking in his freedom. So that's the reason for the title. There's another reason. It's great clickbait. <laughs> Put it online. So see, people pastor said, keep it simple, stupid, click, I'm going to find out what he's having to say. Now I've got a captive audience because we're going to listen, okay? So there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat and other reasons why we do it. I'm sorry, cat folks, all right, for those I just offended, all right? You're with me, okay? All right, so keep it simple, stupid. So what I'm going to do over the next 10 weeks is I'm going to take the 10 commandments, and the Bible does call them the 10 commandments. It calls them the 10 commandments in three places, and they are commandments, they're not suggestions, okay? They're not just good thoughts to have. They're commands. But I want to show something to you. In Exodus 34, 28, it says, So he, this is Moses, was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. There they are, right there for you. Scripture. So, God calls them the Ten Commandments. Here's, here's my desire. Here's what I'm hoping for. Is over the next ten weeks, you are going to not see the Ten Commandments as a list of do's and don'ts. That you start to see them differently. That you start to see the Ten Commandments as principles 
that are going to enhance your relationship with God and with other people. As a matter of fact, out of the Ten Commandments, the first four have to do with our relationship with God, Him first. So he, he talks about that. He, and this is the, the, the message today is called the, the Principle of Priority. It's about priority. So even in the Ten Commandments, the first one has, the first four have to do with him. The first one we'll focus on today is certainly about him. And then the next six have to do with our relationship with others. So this is our, our, our priority. Again, these principles, and to remind you, a principle is basically what we call the, or ordinary principles or ordinary precepts. Basically, another way of saying it is it's, it's the way that we ordinarily, as people, as believers, would behave. It's as simple as that. It's just, what, what, what's ordinary for us? So these are the things that should help us to enhance those relationships. Um, don't, again, just a caution, you don't, if you're, if you're one of those people that look at the Ten Commandments as rules, you're gonna struggle. You really are. Because first of all, you're not gonna be able to keep them by, your, by yourself. You have to have the Lord walk through them. And by the way, why did he give the, the commands? He gave them for two reasons. One, to put a face on him so that you and I would know what his character is like. You know what the other reason for it, the commandments are? This is gonna trip you up a little bit. To show you that you'll never be able to keep them on your own. You have to be in relationship with him. Because he's the one who's going to give you the power and the authority to walk those out. It is absolutely impossible to keep the commands on your own. They will guide you. They will show you who he is, give you some insight in his character. But they cannot make you obey them. You can't do it. Any more than a speed limit sign out here on the arterial that says 45 miles an hour, it's going to tell you the limit. But that sign cannot make you Keep the law. And of course, you know, if you violate that law, you might find some lights flashing behind you. And you're going to find out that you broke the law. Okay? But the Lord wants us to understand who he is. So here's some things I want you to see you may have never seen before. And again, this message is called the priority principle. The priority. And I believe this first command is teaching us that principle. So again, we're talking about the principle here. Here's point number one. It's about relationship. It's about relationship. The Ten Commandments are about our relationship with God and other people. You have to remember God is about relationship. He created Adam for what? Relationship. Okay, he redeemed the children of Israel for what? Okay, he redeemed you and I for what? Relationship. So he gives these 10 commandments to his children. And he basically, what he's saying is, listen, this is all about relationship, kids. It's, it's all about relationship. You want to have relationship with me. This is who I am. Anything outside of this is going to keep you distant from me. Exodus 21 says this. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God. Okay, so there you have it right there. It's about relationship. He says, your God. I'm your God. We have a relationship here. And he redeemed him out of Egypt for that. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, you shall have no other gods before me. So before he gives the first command, again, he reminds them, I brought you back. I redeemed you out of the bondage of slavery so that you and I can have a relationship. And he did the exact same thing for you and I. 
He redeemed us out of slavery, out of bondage. Here it is in Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Slaves of sin. So we're all slaves. God redeemed us out of slavery. He redeemed us out of the bondage of sin. So again, when we look back at the 10 commandments, what we see, we see these, these 10 principles that are gonna deepen our relationship with God. And I, that, that's what I want you to see. That's what I want you to catch this next 10 weeks. Most people, again, see these as a list of rules, the things to do and, and, and don't do. And, and please, I, I, I beg you, don't see them that way anymore. Stop looking at them like that. If you do, if you'll change your perspective, it's gonna bless you. So God redeemed us for relationship, okay? All right, but listen to me. Listen to me. You determine the depth of your relationship with God. You do. You do. I do. You and I get to make that determination how deep that relationship goes. And it has to do with priorities. Exodus 20, verse 18 through 21. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. We're gonna talk about that. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So again, God is giving you some principles here to help you out of the bondage of sin. That's what this verse is saying. But watch what happens in the very next verse, Exodus 20, 21. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. All right, Moses determined he wanted to have a relationship with God. The people determined they wanted to have a relationship through Moses with God. But not directly. They stood afar off. He drew near. Here's basically what they said. Uh, You go speak with God and then come back and tell us what he said. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about how similar that is in many churches today. Pastor, you go up on the mountain, you hear what God has to say, and then come back on the weekend and tell us what he said. But we don't want to talk to him. It's the exact same thing. Any believer, any person who claims to be a believer, and they are not cracking open their Bible and getting their face in it, is doing that exact same thing. I don't need that because I'm just gonna go to reimagine church on Sunday and Pastor Robert is gonna tell me everything God wants me to know and he's even gonna put the scriptures up on the screen so I haven't gotta read them. Ouch, ouch, ouch. And here's what these people were saying, the same thing we do. But I'm not gonna meet with God personally. And here's why they said that, lest we die. Can I just encourage you on something? Anytime you get into God's presence, the flesh dies. Anytime you get into his presence, your flesh is going to die. And that's what they were trying to avoid. And I think, again, the same thing happens with many people today. I'm not gonna get too involved in church. 
I'm not going to get into too many groups because somebody might find out about my stuff and I'm going to have to change or I'm going to feel compelled to change and quite frankly, I'm a little bit comfortable where I am. Listen, we haven't changed much. I think sometimes we think because we have the New Testament that we're a lot smarter than the people in the Bible days were. We're no different than they were. We do the same stupid stuff. Okay? And we're we're not keeping it simple enough. But it's true, you die when you enter his presence. But that's a good thing because when the flesh dies, guess what happens? Jesus has a chance to come alive in you and change you and I. This is much better than you're thinking it is. But basically he said, hey, you, you know what? You go, Moses, Pastor Robert, you, you, you go have a personal relationship with God. You, you, you go do that. But I, 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 I do something else. Um, that's your occupation. So you go have the relationship with me, with him, and then just tell me. And if I like it, I'll come to church. Here's another scripture that goes right along with us. Proverbs 103, 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts, A-C-T-S, to the children of Israel. All right, let me ask you something. Do you see the difference? Keep that scripture up there. I want you all to look at that again for a second. Let me say it this way. The children of Israel knew what he did, but Moses knew why he was doing it. The children of Israel knew what he did. They recognized the work of his hand. He showed them with multiple plagues to get them just to follow him, to come out of Egypt. And then he continued to show them things when they needed things, like the parting of the Red Sea. That's kind of a big story, something that you and I usually can't walk up and do, kind of revealed who he was. So they learned to recognize his hand at work, but they still didn't know who he was. And I think that the same thing happens for a lot of us in the church today. We we can recognize, even when the Lord is actually operating through somebody in the church and releasing part of the gifts of his spirit, and and we, we saw it for many years when my dad was a pastor here, and we've seen some of it since I've been here as well, where people will be um, healed. Now, when my father was here, that was part of the, the ministry he had was miraculous healings. There's some of you sitting in this church right now that remember when he was here and you saw that. Some of you have gone to, to churches, other places, or you've gone to conferences, or you've gone to rallies, or you've gone to revivals of some sort, and you've seen the miraculous at work. So you, you, you've recognized, many will recognize the obvious when we see somebody who's been bound uh, to a walker or a wheelchair for 17 years dear, for, because of multiple sclerosis and then they get healed and they walk out carrying, pushing the wheelchair or carrying the walker. Lizzie knows what I'm talking about because I'm referring to her mother. Ma- many of us have seen things like that. How many of us can actually articulate to people why it is sometimes we don't see that? How many of us can feel comfortable trying to explain to people sometimes, listen, that person walked out, this, this person didn't get healed. Sometimes we just don't know why God would heal one person and not another. But yet he's the same God. He hasn't changed, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
But let me tell you something. You're going to get a lot more comfortable with not necessarily having all the answers all the time when prayers aren't answered the way you and I would like to have them answered, but we can walk out the other side of this problem. We can walk out the other side of this season, not getting the answer that we wanted to see, but still understanding I know who he is. And my view of him hasn't changed. And it doesn't mean he's less than God. It doesn't mean that I've done something wrong. I didn't hear my prayer. It might mean he's doing a work you and I can't see. And we've got to get to the point where you and I believe he's good enough and good all the time. And you and I are okay with that. But that only happens through relationship. That only happens through the time that it takes to build relationship. Julie and I, uh, we got married, I think what, a year and a half after we met, okay? Um, something like that, I'm saying do the math right now. Listen, it took time to build that relationship to get to the marriage day, but guess what? The relationship building didn't stop at that point. It kept going, it kept going, it kept going, it kept going, it's gonna keep going, it's gonna keep going, it's gonna keep going, but I'm getting to know her at a deeper level all the time because proximity requires, is required for the relationship to grow. And nothing changes with you and I and our relationship with God. If you want to get to know him, you got to be willing to press into the dark areas of your life, the areas of the life that are smoking because they seem to be on fire, the areas in your life where there's thunder, it seems like it's so loud you can't hear anything around you, but that's when you get into the presence of God, you start to draw from him, you start to know him, and understand him instead of standing far off and saying, hey, I'm going to go to the next tent revival and find out what the future holds for me. Or I'm going to wait till Sunday and I'm going to go to Reimagine Church or I'm going to go to Gateway Church or I'm going to go to Redeemer Church or I'm going to go to Mohawk Valley Church or I'm going to go to some church to hear what somebody else has to say who took the time to spend some time in the presence of God that day because I don't want to press in. <laughs> Got to catch my breath for a second. Listen, Moses knew the ways of God. He didn't just see the acts of God. And, and please hear this. There's a huge difference between the two. There's a huge difference between the two. I want to be somebody who knows his ways. So let me say it this way. Let me say it another way. Do you want, and I'm asking you, each one of you, do you want a relationship with God that's based on do not do do not do, do, all these do's, or do you want a relationship that's based on a principle that's gonna take you deeper with God? Which one do you want? It's up to you, because I said you get to determine the level of relationship you're gonna have. Nobody gets to determine that, just you. Just you. Here's point number two. Worship God only. Worship God. God only, Exodus, Exodus 23, 23. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. This is the command. He says that. Now, I want to clarify something for you. Because it says you shall have no other gods before me, it almost sounds like, 
well, you can have other gods just as long as I'm first. You see that? It, it, it can, it can, for some people, it can be confusing. But you need to understand uh, that this word before, um, that, that word can be either a conjunction. Okay, for those of you who did not like English and had to learn it later on in life, this word could either be a conjunction or a preposition. A conjunction joins two thoughts. That's not what this word is. A preposition actually clarifies a thought. It actually clarifies it so that you and I can better understand it. But this is not a conjunction. He's trying to clarify a thought here. So why would he actually need to clarify this thought? Because they had been in bondage for 430 years. 430 years they had been in bondage. And in Egypt, there were 29 main gods and 2,000 minor gods. They had been under that influence. Now think about the influences you and I are under and how easily you and I can take some areas of our life and place those on the throne in our life where only God belongs, where only Jesus is supposed to be. Let's call those minor gods. Minor gods. Well, and again, it's not that these things are bad in and of themselves, but if I take it and I place it on that seat in my life where only Jesus belongs, you know why I can't go to church that often? Because I work really hard at least five, probably six other days a week. That's the only chance I have to spend with my family. We like to go out on the boat that day. Is there anything wrong with boating? Is there anything wrong with having a boat? If anybody knows anything, please show me in scripture. I don't see it there. Now, that's the example of it, but you fill it out. You, you, you think, well, I can't ever get involved in the discipleship group because I work hard, and you know what? I like to go home, and quite frankly, I want to relax, and I want to have a beer. And, 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 I'm, and you've heard me say this before, okay? I don't think any, anything in Scripture is going to tell you that you can't drink alcohol. It says not to be drunk with alcohol. Not to be drunk with wine is what it says. But we can take these things in our life and put them in such of a place that they take priority, and this is what we're talking about today, that doesn't allow any room for God in our life. We're basically saying all these things, because I work so hard, and by the way, I deserve it. I need this to help calm my anxiety. I, I need this to help me to be able to relax. I need this to, to help me be able to unwind in my mind. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing those things. But there is something wrong when you take those and all of a sudden they, they, they put you in a place where now you can't even draw near to the Lord. You've literally left, left no room because you don't really believe God will take away your anxiety. You don't really believe that the peace of the Lord brings peace. So you manufacture things in your life to bring you the things that he's trying to tell you he will give you if you'll make him the priority in your life. And understand, I'm, I keep saying you a lot because I want you to understand. Listen, I've read the notes already. I know what's in here. Okay? I've, I've heard the sermon. You haven't. But I, I have to apply this to myself. So as I've been going through this, for the last week I've been going through this, and I've, I've done this message before, 
And every time I do any message, while well, I'm preparing to give it to you, believe me, I'm, I'm reading this into my own life. But I want you, because you are the ones that the Lord brought in here today that need to hear something about this. 29 major gods. One of them was called Nut. Well, time to go worship the Nut. And what God is saying is, listen, you just came out of Egypt, and I'm trying to tell you, you shall have no other gods, none. Not one of them. <laughs> and I know that there's nobody in this room. I just know in my know if I went to your house, went down to your basement, I would not see any shrines set up to a bunch of idols. But I'm wondering, <laughs> and this isn't my note, this just hit me. I'm wondering how many of you, if I looked at your checkbook, I would sit there and go, there's your idol. There's your idol. If I looked at your calendar, I'd go, oh, there's your idol. There's your idol. I'm telling you, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. And the Lord is saying, don't do this. So let me tell you about something about this word before. This word before is actually in the Old Testament 1,000 times. But it's, it was translated before, actually, the word before was translated, let me say it that way, that way only a few times. But there's other translations that use a different word. I'll give you one of them. One of them is besides. So what he's saying is, you shall have no other God beside me. So here's some of the other translations. You shall have no other gods in front of me. You shall have no other gods behind me. You shall have no other gods because of me. You shall have no other gods in my face. You shall have no other gods against me. You shall have no other gods other than me. So he's, he's not saying, just put me first. He's saying none. And scripture always has to be congruent. In other words, it has to, when you read one scripture and you want to get an interpretation for it, it has to agree with the other scriptures. If you ever take an interpretation of a scripture and it's in conflict with another scripture, you've got one of them wrong. You've got, you've got your interpretation on one of them. You might be reading it, reading the words right, but your interpretation of it cannot be correct if they're in disagreement with each other. They have to be congruent. Let me show this to you in Isaiah 45. Here's another one. 45.5 that's gonna show you what he's saying here. I am the Lord and there is no other, there is no other God besides me. So again, that's a different word, besides, but it says it right there. So again, I just wanna clarify that what he's saying to them is I am the Lord and there is no other God. There, you might think there is. You might have created one would have made it, you know, sticks that you're expecting to talk back to you. But there is no other. I'm the only one. Everything else is a figment of your imagination. But because he's, and again, he's telling the Israelites, but because you came out of a culture, and please apply this to yourself, think about this. Think about the culture, and so let me say it to you. 
People in Reimagine Church today, because you're in a culture, because you're coming out of a culture with so many other gods, I want you to understand you shall have no other gods, none but me. That's what he would say to you. None. None. I would encourage you. I would encourage you. Take the time. When you're at work or in your prayer time, hopefully you have some prayer time. Hopefully all of you are setting an appointment with the Lord every day, whether it's in the morning or at night, but you have a time that's on you. Put it on your phone if you have to. Set an appointment with him. Keep the appointment. And at one point sometime this week, ask him. Ask him. Lord, as I look at my time, as I look at my talents, the things you've given me to do, and as I look at my, the money I'm spending, is, is there some other God in here? Is there something I put out of priority in a place of you? So uh, th- this isn't for me to guilt anybody. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not, hopefully, I am shaking you a little bit and getting you to, to think about this. Because sometimes we have to be shaken a little bit, don't we? Ooh, that kind of hit how close to home. Those, I think the Lord loves those moments. Because as soon as he sees us get our bones rattled, he goes, ooh, speak into that. I've got their attention for 10 seconds. But if you'll ask him, you ask him, I guarantee it's going to come really, if it's there, it's going to come really quick. And, and it hasn't got to be real, a real bad thing. I've told you before, I've, I've realized there have been times in my life when I've asked the Lord, Lord, is there something that, and I don't use the verbiage that you're unhappy with, because I don't believe he's unhappy with any of us. His word says he literally twirls around his throne in his thoughts over you. Well, it's kind of hard to twirl in thoughts and be mad at the person at the same time. I, don't think he's gonna, I, I think there's things about us he knows we need to grow in, but he's happy with you as a son or as a daughter. But I do ask sometimes, Lord, is there something about me you would like to see changed or developed? I think it's a totally different perspective. If you have children, again, you fathers, this is Father's Day, you know what I'm talking about. You have children, you've had children that you thought, yep, there were seasons, I was not happy about their behavior, but you didn't love them any less. They're still your children. But take the time and ask the Lord, Lord, is there something out of, in, 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 in my life that's out of place and I've got it in the wrong priority and because of it, it's keeping me from having that solid relationship with you. Again, this, this is about relationship. It's about relationship. Okay, so here's number three. Put God first. Let me just say it, in the, just a whole other way of saying it. Priority. Make him your priority. It's the first commandment. The first commandment is about him, and he's saying, I need to be your priority. First of all the firsts. And it's not because he's insecure. It's because he is the most secure person you'll ever know. But he says, you have to put me first in your life to have the realization of that. And the only way you're gonna do that is when you draw in closer. If you won't draw in, 
You're going to recognize my hand at work, but you're never going to know me. You're never, going to be, you're never going to have me right next to you as you're walking through the darkness and be able to sense that I'm there with you. I'll be there with you. But wouldn't you like to have the peace that goes with that? Wouldn't you like to have the assurance that I'm going to bring you? Wouldn't you like to be able to come through it? In the midst of, I think some of the verbiage in one of the songs that we just sang, in the middle of chaos, I have joy. Now, I know there's a, when I was younger, before I got saved, I had a lot of chaos in my life. And I can tell you right now, I don't think there was too much joy in the process. I still have some chaos in my life now, but overall, I still have joy. Because I realize that when the chaos is occurring because of things I can't control, that there is a season that if I'm going to walk out the other side of it. That's what gives me joy. Some people say, well, that's hope. But I can still have joy. I can hope and joy together. But put him first. This principle runs all the way through Scripture. All the way through Scripture. When they go into Jericho, when they go to New Land, Jericho, God says, bring all the gold and silver from Jericho into the house. Why? Very, very simple. It was the first, it was the first town. It was the first town they went into. So bring all the gold, all the silver, bring all the wealth to me first. By the way, they took 10 cities. Isn't it interesting? It was the first tenth. You bring it to me first. He tells me, he said, when, when you're firstborn, of your cattle and sheep, not your children. <laughs> Sacrifice to me. That's mine. Why? Because it's the principle of first. He doesn't say, uh, you know, sacrifice the eighth or the ninth one. S sacrifice the one that keeps getting in the garden. You sacrifice the first one. It's first fruits. Because he's first. Jericho, sheep, he said, it's mine. And then he says, when you bring in the harvest, the harvest, you know, your, your, your farmers, bring the first fruits to me. All of the first come to him, not the last fruits. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? Once you bring in, once you get the harvest, go ahead and take care of your spectrum bill first and then bring the rest to me. Don't, don't pay your mortgage first and then, bring, and, and then bring, and bring the next to me. He says, you bring the first. Why? Because he's first. And I, I really do believe the reason why, and I, I, listen to me, here's the other thing. Obviously, I'm right now, I'm making reference to the tithe, but I want you to understand, this principle goes to everything else in your life besides just the tithe. So don't, don't go out of here thinking, well, there's Pastor Robert talking about the tithe again. Did I use that example? Yes, because that's the, the example the Bible uses. But I'm trying to tell you, the principle goes through everything in your life. And when we don't bring him our first, what we're really saying is, nope, because I know better, because I'm my provider. And God is sitting here saying, you are not your provider. <clears throat> I'm your provider. You can't even do your job if I didn't give you the talent and the ability to do it. You can't get paid from that job if it wasn't by my grace, I help you find favor in their eyes. He's saying it all originates with me. You bring the first to me. Again, this goes all through scripture. You will never see anywhere in scripture 
where God says, you take care of this first, and then you can take care of me. Let me show something to you here. And by the way, this is the exact reason God accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's. And people will talk about the tithe, and they said the tithe is under, is under the law. The principle goes back 2,500 years before the law was ever given. The principle of first was around long before the law was. Long before the law was, 2,500 years. Listen, there's 2,000 years difference between us and the time that Jesus was walking the earth. There was a longer time between the law and when the principle started of returning to the Lord the first fruits. So he's expected it since the very beginning of time. People will say, why did God not accept Abel's and, and not Cain's? It's very simple. Let me show it to you. Genesis 4, 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass. In other words, it just kind of happened. Just kind of happened. That Cain brought an offering. Notice it never says first fruits. He just brought something. An offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought, now with him it says, the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. There it is right there for you. That's exactly the reason why the Lord rejected Cain with his attitude. 2,500 years before the law. And again, this is a principle that runs all through scripture. God says it only works if you put me first. Everything only works if you put me first. Your marriage is only gonna work if you put me first. You raising your children in righteousness is only gonna work if you put me first. You wanna have a successful career? That's only gonna work if you put me first. Now, some of you are probably sitting there thinking, but I know people that aren't serving the Lord and they have successful careers. I think there's a very simple reason for that. Very, very simple reason for that. I really do believe that the Lord knows those people who are not going to be with him in eternity, and because he's a loving father, he says, I'm gonna bless them while I can because it's the only opportunity I'm ever gonna get. So I'm gonna let them have it now because they have no reward later. By the way, Jesus talks about this principle in Matthew 6 as well. And you were gonna recognize this verse. In fact, I'll just say part of it. Seek first. There you go. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things we added to you. So Jesus says the same thing. It only works if you put me first. To seek the kingdom of God first, put me first above all these other things, and I'll add this to you. So there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 17. I'll just give you some background on it. You can go read it later on. But there's this famine in the land, and there's this drought that's happening, and God provides this prophet Elijah. He provides for him for a little bit of time by this, this brook. He's actually got ravens bringing food to Elijah uh, in the morning. And again, I think it's kind of interesting. It's like, well, why is that? And I think the parallel for you and I is just to understand, listen, sometimes your provision from the Lord is gonna come from things you just wouldn't expect. I mean, when was, any of you, when was the last time your neighbor's cat brought you something to eat, right? Okay, you with me? See, sometimes we're looking for provision from the Lord from the obvious, and sometimes it's just simply not so obvious, but you, when you get it, you recognize, ooh. You know, if you and I go to work each day and we get a paycheck, we, we expect that, Right? But if the Lord all of a sudden provides something from a source or a person you didn't know, you weren't expecting, what is it? What, what, you're like, well, thank you. 
to the person. And hopefully you're thanking the Lord as well. But anyway, in the evening, this, this brook dries up. So God tells Elijah to head on over to a place called Zarephath. And he tells him, he said, there's going to be a woman there. There's going to be a widow who's going to provide for you. So Elijah goes and he finds this woman and he asks her for some water and also asks her for some bread. So, here, so here's where we pick up the story. This is 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 12 through 15. And I'm going to kind of narrate some of this for you here. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I'm just going to go eat and die. So she's pretty destitute. This is it. She's saying, this is our last meal. We have nothing left. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. How many of you, anyone raise your hand. How many of you have gotten to the end of the month and you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Same exact story. Just reads different. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but. Okay, now I want you to watch with this Elijah, this prophet, says to this widow, a widow who has nothing, Make me a small cake from it, what? First. Back to the principle of first. Now again, I was thinking about this this morning when I was reading these notes, and I just want, I, I, I want to stop here for a second because it just hit me. How many times will preachers all over the country stand up and talk about tithing? And people, and I'm, because I'm, and we first watch this, you're sitting here thinking, that is really selfish. She just told him, this is all I have, I'm gonna eat it, and I'm gonna die. And this is a widow on top of it. I mean, it's not just like guy who's you know, 24 and capable of working and being selfish. This woman in that culture had no other resources. She didn't get any government assistance. There were no uh, uh, utility payment plans that the state was gonna help with. She had nothing. And this prophet, this preacher come and say, comes and says, uh, take care of me first. How many times do people go in churches, they hear a pastor talking, and they'll go, um, <clears throat> that's really selfish. I'm struggling. But they think the preacher, and, and I'm not saying, we, we all know, we've probably seen it sometimes, there are times when pastors do abuse people, and they've abused the tithe. We all know that's happened. But we've heard about it a couple times and we take it in our minds, it becomes actually what's happening most of the time. And I would submit to you, that is not what's happening most of the time. That's not what's happening. So do you have some pastors abuse that? Absolutely. Will pastors in the future abuse that? Probably, because they're broken people. But people immediately, because they don't want to do it, say, well, that's being self-centered. I have to take care of myself here. I have to do this first. And the Lord is saying, uh-uh, you take care of me first. Let me, let me show this to you. Make a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make yourself, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, 
nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Rain just represents additional, in other words, when things get back to normal and, 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 and you're realizing, okay, it's, we're, we're, we're back, there's gonna be food sources, there's, it's gonna be okay. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and he and her household ate for many days. It sounds like there was more than one meal there. They ate for many days. Now listen, again, many times people think that God was providing for Elijah in this text, and yes, he was, but you have to remember something. He provided for the widow in her household as well. He did both. He did both. And she and her son were at the point where they're about to die. And he says, if you'll take care of me first, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. But God says this, this man of God and says, do this first. Put God first. Put God first and watch what happens to your bin of flour and your jar of oil. And by the way, flour represents provision for life. That's what the flour is. You know what the oil is? Your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Lord is saying, if you'll put me first, I'll only meet your needs, you're gonna have a deeper relationship with me. It's in one passage. And how many times have believers read that and never saw that? Never saw that. The whole Bible. The whole Bible. And God takes care of widows today, by the way. He takes care of widows. He takes care of all of his kids if they'll put him first. So the first commandment has to do with priority. He's saying, if you put me first, why don't you stand up with me? I'm gonna end this service the way we usually end. We've been doing it for years now. I want you to ask as I'm praying for you. I want you to simply ask, Lord, what are you saying to me today? What are the areas in my life where you're not first? Father, is there an area of my life, whether it's money or it's relationships or it's my job or it's health, or it's plans that I'm trying to make for the future and I'm struggling hard to figure those out that I haven't put you first. But what I have done, if I'm honest, Lord, is I've watched Fox News, I've watched CNN, I've read up everything I can on Wikipedia I went to the schools and I found out what the professors and the doctors and the experts say. And then I looked up judicial law and I found out what the laws were. And I just, I don't see a way. I, I talked to my accountant. My accountant says, there's no way. But I haven't made you my priority in this life, this area. I know you're there and, and I know that you told me I can reach out to you and I can pray. And, and Lord, when something comes up throughout the day and, and all of a sudden I think about you, yeah, I just, you know, I toss a quick prayer up in the Lord and say, in the air and say, Lord, you're, you're God, you're good, just provide for me. And I just, I do this corner, casual, just tossing my prayer in the air with no thought of 
that there's a God who's really listening to me and that maybe if I stop and take a breath for a second, I might hear something. Because I've gotten so busy listening to the sounds of the world around me, forgetting or not understanding that your economy is not our economy. Science is man's wisdom. Your word is your wisdom. And I'm not gonna live by science. I'm not gonna live by what the world tells me because the world can't tell me anything that's gonna be healthy and at the same time contradict your word. I will listen, I'll learn, but I'm always gonna place everything against the backdrop of your word. And then I'm gonna listen to your voice because your word says your sheep hear your voice and they follow you. Or that's who we want to be. That's what I pray for everybody in this room. But I, I hope that they will hear the words that I'm sharing with them that I believe that I'm hearing from you. I hope they take that and I hope they'll weigh it out. I hope they'll sift it and test it. Well, Lord, there's no replacement of them hearing from your spirit. And that's my prayer as a pastor, that they will hear from you. They won't come just to hear me on Sundays. They'll press in. They'll get closer to the, what seems to be dangerous, the thunder and the lightning and the smoke, and realize in the midst of what appears to be this devastating storm is a calming loving father who knows the plans he has for me and they're to prosper me. They're not to harm me. But because I don't understand, because I, I only know the work of your hand, because I, I don't know you, I've never pressed in. Or let us be a people that press in. Lord, I pray for every person here that after today, if they walk out of here today, Lord, that their lives will never be the same. I, for Lord, for those of those that you're really trying to speak today, I pray that as they go today, they just, they keep hearing these words just rattling in their head, spinning over and over and over again, not to torture them, but to get them to take it, to chew on it, to digest it, draw out of it everything, nourishment that they need, and then walk in the provision, the blessing that you have for them. So Father, in this Father's Day, I ask you the ultimate Father of fathers to teach us the truth of who you are. Because you don't shame us, you don't guilt us. Lord, you, you show us who you are. You gave us principles so we can walk into a deeper relationship. So Father, I pray for every person as even just look, as I look across the sanctuary right now at every one of them. Father, I pray that this is the first day of the rest of their life. And they can actually say on Father's Day, my heavenly Father changed me forever on Father's Day. Because that's what a good, good Father does. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We're gonna have a few people up front to pray for you. If you need prayer, again, for anything. Come up, let us pray with you. Otherwise, folks, 
Have a blessed Father's Day. If you're doing a barbecue, have a hot dog for me. Okay? Just say, bless you, Father. Tell Pastor Robert I'm having a hot dog. All right? Be blessed. Have a great week, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church.